before Steve brings the message, I'm going to read our scripture passage for us from John chapter 4. We're not going to have it on the screen this morning. I want you to try to picture yourself in this story and picture this story that happened a long time ago. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water, are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't be thirsty or have to come here and draw water. And Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I, I, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're, you're right in saying I have no husband, for you had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, and the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, the Christ, and when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And just then the disciples came back. They marveled that, that Jesus was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, Come see, a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. And then skipping down to verse 39, we find that many Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. So once again, would you give a round of applause and welcome Steve as he preaches on this passage for us. Good morning, everybody. Between the mask and the microphone and my glasses, can anybody give me one more thing to put behind my ear? <laughs> That's kind of the new norm now. 
Um, just want to say good morning to everybody. Happy Valentine's Day. I want to say thank you so much to Jonathan for allowing me to come down and speak with you guys this morning. I really appreciate it. Um, Jonathan did a pretty good intro, but I do want to just talk a little bit more about, you know, what has provided me, you know, that anchor in my life, and that, that's my family. So we'll touch on them a little bit, and then we'll get into to this scripture. But my wife Jennifer's here, youngest daughter Macy, oldest daughter Katie, and her fiancé Campbell. And I'm also very blessed and fortunate to have two dear Christian brothers that made the drive down here as well. Now, obviously, on a Sunday morning, it's much easier to get down here than it would be during the week. Because if there's one thing that we all have in common, it's traffic, right? Don't we all love the Atlanta traffic? Where's my traffic fans at? A couple people. Good. Gives you a chance to depress, right? Just kind of before you get home or whatever, just go ahead and, and do that. Well, for, for me and where we live up in that Hamilton Mill area, it's not that difficult to get there. Because for you guys, if you ever want to come visit, just go up 75, hit 675, go around to 285, and then 85, and then shoot on out, and you're there in Gwinnett County. Very, very easy. <laughs> However, if we were in Kennesaw, not so easy, is it? There's really only one way to effectively get there and that's to go through downtown Atlanta. And as we know, the roads are completely empty there, and you can just be there like in 10 minutes. So there's a lot to, to, to kind of go over in the scriptures today. Um, anytime there's a long passage like that, I never get dismayed or discouraged. My oldest daughter, Katie, she did an internship at a church one time, and the first message that she had to give to youth was on David and Bathsheba. So I figure I've never had that experience and don't look forward to having that experience, speaking to youth on that. So anything else that I have to talk about is no big deal. So as we start thinking a little bit about that, that, that journey that Jesus made, it says specifically in Scripture, what did he have to do? He had to go through Samaria. And so what I want to do is just show you a couple of maps to kind of give you an idea of exactly what that would have looked like. So in, in the first map... We can kind of see that's a straight shot. So if we were going to go from Jerusalem and Judea up to Nazareth and Galilee, pretty much a straight shot. And you can see the story here takes place in Sychar with the well. But what was unique about that is Jewish people did not take that trip. Here's how a Jewish person would have made this trip. And you can see this in Matt 2. So if I were just going to go to the other side of the stage, I could walk across, but a Jewish person at that time would not have done that. They'd have gone up, they'd have crossed the Jordan, they would have stayed over in the valley, hey Samaria, and they would have kept walking, then they would have come back, crossed the Jordan again, and then went into Nazareth. Little out of your way. For us, that's the equivalent of going from here to Kennesaw to go to Stone Mountain, around to Roswell, and then over to Kennesaw, way out of the way. So Jewish people weren't avoiding traffic at the time, so why were they going out of their way to avoid Samaria? So there's a couple different reasons. So first of all, let's talk about the significance of that area, and as Jonathan mentioned in the passage, it talks about the well of Jacob being there at Sychar. So we know historically 
This has been land that, that Jewish people have occupied for hundreds, if not thousands of years. So it makes you think, what happened? Well, the cool thing about that well and about Valentine's Day specifically, it's where Jacob met, met Rachel. And he said it was love at first sight. Isn't that a great Valentine's Day story? So we fast forward, and we have generation, then we have another generation, then we have a conquest of the, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom that had split, then we have a conquest of both, and then we have people coming back, and they have different things coming in from the different foreign invaders that they're putting into their lives. And at that point in time, we're at one point in history, they were on the exact same page, now they're split. They're fractured off into all these other viewpoints. Now, as Jesus is talking to her there in, in verse 4, we, we start getting an idea of, of this division because he specifically says, or it says in the scripture, that he had, to, he had to go through Samaria. It's a much easier path if he walked around in terms of walking versus going that route. So to the, to the reader at the time, there had been two things that stood out. One, it's a more difficult walking path. And then two, he's walking through Samaria. So, so why would Jesus go through that and do that? So we find out that he had a specific purpose. He had to meet somebody. He had to talk to somebody there at the well. Now, the divisions... There's, there's so many different ones that we can talk about between the Samaritans and the Jews. But what I want to focus on today is really the primary one, for our conversation at least, and that's how they worshipped, and more specifically, where they worshipped. For the Samaritans, you had to worship on the sacred mountain. For the Jewish people, you had to worship in Jerusalem. There was, there was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That was it. Now, you start thinking about that, and it's like, well, aren't you both in agreement that you're supposed to worship God? Seems pretty simple to us reflecting back, but knowing how much animosity and how much dismiss or um, conflict had, had been built up through all of those years makes it much more difficult to just sit down and find any common ground. Can you guys think of anything today that we have similar to that? Consider this example for a second. We all love our sports teams, right? As Jonathan said, I'm a Kentucky fan and a Tampa Bay fan, and I think immediately I had some judgment going on. <laughs> Maybe a little. I only got hit by one or two things. I would argue that the problem that we have ran into as a society is that we have made everything like our sports teams. We have divided things up that we no longer just enjoy the game now we have to deck out in our team colors, and it's my team versus your team. Us against them, me against you. And that's kind of similar to what has happened here with the Jewish people and the Samaritans. Just over time, what went from them just going to enjoy a day at the ballpark has now turned into something far, far, far afield than what was intended to be. So just think about that for just a second. Think about going to your local ballpark on a beautiful day just to watch a game of baseball. 
there not anything more peaceful than that? Just bright sunshine, 70 degrees? And then the umpire makes a bad call. What happens next? Right? It devolves into complete strangers yelling and screaming at one another. So does, does, does that kind of animosity exist here? Absolutely. And I would even take it a step further and say that if you spent 30 seconds on social media at any point in time during the election cycle, right? That's that pretty, pretty, that's tough. That's tough when we see that all the time. And that's what Jesus was encountering when he walked across. She even said, why are you talking to me? And then when the disciples came back, they were amazed at the fact that he was talking. There's a reason why the parable of the Good Samaritan just jumps off the page to that first century Jewish person because they see how complicated that relationship was. But isn't it funny to think about that? What did the people do before they, the Good Samaritan showed up to help the person? They walked around. They didn't take a direct path to help. It was a Samaritan who took that direct path. So just, just think about that for just a second. With the election cycle going on, we saw Team Democrat, Team Republican. For 10 months, our televisions were taken over by political ads. And if you were lucky to be here in Georgia, we got two additional months because of the Senate runoff. Anybody just want to get back to watching TV? Right? So we saw Team Republican, we saw Team Democrat, and we saw so many commercials for Team America, right? Oh, wait, we didn't see any commercials for Team America. They did their best to split us into different camps. And regardless of which side that you're on in the debate, I think that we can all look at one another and think, wow, that got out of hand really quickly. Like I said, just take a look at social media. And if you're able to stay out of that, that's awesome. I, I, I would give you a standing ovation for that any day. So, but the, with the sides being picked and how everything was going on, Sunday school classes were split. I heard stories of churches splitting over the election. Does that make any sense whatsoever? But that happened. And people were looking at one another completely different in ways that they never would have looked at one another previously. Anybody here ever played basketball? A couple people. So you go up and you get a rebound, and if someone else has it, their hands on it, what do you do? You fight to control the rebound. And if you grab it and it's your own team, then someone on your team says, same team, same team. That way you're not fighting with your own teammate. During the election, who were the people standing up and saying, same team? And for generations, no one was standing up for the Jews and Samaritans to say same team. But the woman at the well had someone to say same team, and that was Jesus. So let's talk a little bit more about that. Remember that Jesus knew the woman at the well story and met her where she was. And he meets us, too, where we are, regardless of our team, political party, race, sin, to remind us that we are all loved by God. We can appreciate the woman at the well's place in the story, but what is critical to remember is Jesus' response and his love. There is a reason why this woman was by herself. We know that. 
And specifically, at the heat of the day, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you do all your chores earlier? And it's because, in many ways, she was in isolation and an outcast. And there's many reasons why that could be the case. But Jesus sought her out, just as he seeks each and every single one of us out in our isolation, because he meets us where we are. And he meets us where we are regardless of our past, regardless of, of the hurt that we may have. Jonathan talked about people grieving, people depressed. He meets you there. When you're sitting there in that job that you're just not satisfied with, he, he meets you there as well. So as Jesus is talking to her, he talks to her about living water. And for her, living water in that context would meant, you know, water that was moving or fresh water. That's why she was there at the well. And she says, please tell me where this water is so I can cut down on my journey. Because if she could just find a stream and maybe one that other people didn't know about, she could go there and get that water and not have to live with her shame and isolation by coming to that well every day. And Jesus is like, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a living water that will quench your thirst for all of eternity. And if you had simply asked, I would have given it to you. So she goes out and she tells people about that and how they could come and quench. And the scripture says that she told many and many started to believe. So let me ask you this morning, what are you thirsty for? Are you thirsty for the things of this world that will leave you unfulfilled? Jesus is right there at the well waiting on you. We make the decision to walk all the way around our problems instead of taking them to Jesus. Anybody here have something in their life that they know I need to do this, but you decide to walk around? I do every time I go to the refrigerator, right? Every time I go there, I'm like, ooh, probably shouldn't make that choice, but I do it anyway. So I, I just continue to walk around and skirt around the real problem. My mom may be watching on TV or, or internet today, so I just want to say, hi, mom, love you, happy Valentine's Day. And if my doctor's watching, just want to remind you that the camera adds 10 pounds, but the internet adds 50 pounds. <laughs> so just, just in case my doctor's watching. So do you find yourself getting upset easily over things that you see on social media? Do you look at ways to judge others? Or do you accept them with the love of Jesus Christ? Are there things in your life that you are not willing to address directly? Those are questions that we must ask ourselves. After answering these questions for yourself, if you find that you are looking for the wrong things to quench your thirst, know that you are not alone and that Jesus will meet you where you are to provide the living water that will fill you up. Know that Pastor Jonathan and the people that make up this church are here for you. If you are listening online, and want to know more about growing in your faith, please call or reach out. I'm sure Pastor Jonathan and all of us would love to talk to you more about that. As we saw in the scripture, the woman goes on to satisfy her thirst because of that experience with Jesus. And part of growing in our Christian faith is helping others. So let me ask you, what are you doing to help others? Other people are thirsty. Do we go to those people or decide to take the long road around 
because they look different than us. They sound different than us. They have a different political party than us. We've allowed so many things to divide us that we forget sometimes the things that bring us all back together, and that's Jesus at the well with that living water. So let me ask you, are you doing all that you can to quench your thirst? Are you doing all that you can do to help others quench their thirst? So many of you I know are already serving and sharing the love of Christ with others. You are truly being the hands and feet of Christ. If you're looking for a way to share the love and you're not serving, please check with Jonathan for ways to serve because we need more people sharing the love of Christ. There are a lot of people out there that are thirsty. Jesus asks that we stop taking the long way around to avoid them and to meet them where they are. And guys, when we start serving, we may not have all the answers, but Jesus does, and he's waiting at the well with them for us to join him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you so much for your love, your grace, and your mercy in our lives. Lord, we thank you so much that you meet us exactly where we are, regardless of our station in life, regardless of which team that we cheer for. Lord, thank you so much that you take that direct path to us and that you are willing to climb the mountains to meet us, even though the journey is more difficult, that you are there. Lord, we ask you to just open our hearts to realize what we thirst for, and that's not the things of this world, Lord, but it's you. Lord, we ask that you open our eyes to see those that are hurting, that need us to help them quench their thirst as well. God, we lift you up and praise you. Amen.